Bibles today and head towards Matthew 6. Matthew 6.33 was our, our theme verse, if you will, from last week, our, our text. Uh, I, I've just called this morning, this is going to be, I did a soft introduction last week. And I'm going to kind of continue that. And, and here's why. Because in ensuing weeks, we're going we're gonna to get into this. And I, but I, I want to make sure we have the background. Matter of fact, next week, we're going to go all the way back to Genesis. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through kingdom basics. I'm going to show you that this idea of a, a kingdom on earth, an outpost on planet earth, was God's idea from the beginning. And I'm going to walk you. I'm going to take you through the basics of the kingdom. But today, I want to give you what's called I'm calling a kingdom primer, um, because we don't think in terms of kingdom. I think everybody. I don't think I'm mistaken this morning. So look around. I think everybody here is a citizen of the United States of America. Is that right? Anybody here is not a citizen? Okay, we're all citizens of the United States of America. What kind of a government do we live in? What kind of a, a, a governmental structure do we live in? Well, actually, yeah, we call it a democracy. It's actually a constitutional republic. When we pledge, blah, I can't talk this morning. We pledge allegiance. We uh, pledge allegiance to the flag and to the what? United States of America and to the republic from which. And it's a very different. Now, it does involve a democracy, but it's a representative democracy and it's a republic. And there is actually a big difference there. It's a republic that's based on a constitution. A constitution is law. It is the foundation of law. And what's beautiful about this country of ours is that our constitution is actually based um, foremost and primarily on the constitution of the kingdom of God, which is found within these pages. And, and in ensuing weeks, we'll talk about what that looks like. But here's the thing. I like what Winston Churchill said about democracy. He said, democracy is the worst form of government after all other forms right? But the best form of government is actually a monarchy, to have a king, but not just any king. You see, because kings can be tyrants, can't they? Um, the best form of government is a monarchy when God himself is on the throne. Amen? And I want to talk to you about what that looks like, and here's the problem, I think, because we're Americans, we have no concept of kingdom. We have a very good concept of democracy. And we kind of like it, don't we? Do you like democracy? I like it. I like being able to have a say in who rules over me. And, and we, that, that's all we know, isn't it? How many have ever been to a colony? Did you know we used to be a colony? And, and, and who, who, what country were we a colony of? Great Britain or England, that's right. Um, and colonies are very different than democracies. And because we don't have a relationship, or could I say it this way, we don't have an experiential box to put a kingdom in, we have a hard time understanding what the kingdom of God is all about. So my goal today is really quite simple. I want to introduce you all I want to do today, I want to whet your appetite. I want to introduce you to the concept of a kingdom, and not just any kingdom, the kingdom of God. 
That's all I want to do. I, want to, I just want to introduce you to the kingdom. And I want you prayerfully to ask God to help begin to adjust the way you think about who you are and what kingdom you're a part of. If I read this Bible right, there's only two kingdoms represented in this world. It's not Great Britain. It's not any other kingdom that has a political, physical throne. There is the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of what? Light. They have synonyms. There are different names for them. The kingdom of light is also called the kingdom of God, also called the kingdom of heaven. Those are all synonyms for the kingdom of light. And I want to talk to you today about what it looks like and how to under, begin, just begin, to embrace the idea that though you may live in a constitutional republic, you, by faith in Jesus, are citizens of a kingdom. And with that comes rights and responsibilities. And I just want to lay that out. I just want to, I just want to give you a new thought today to grab onto. That's this is a weird message for me to preach because usually I want to dig in and dive deep. I'm going to skim the surface today because I just want to challenge you to think differently about what kingdom you're a citizen of. Here's, here's a truth I've come to understand. Everybody in this room is a member. That's not a member. Kingdoms don't have members. Organizations do. Kingdoms have citizens. Everybody in this room is a citizen of one of those two kingdoms I mentioned, the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. You're, 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 you're a citizen of one of them. Now, you're either a good citizen or a bad citizen, but you are a citizen nonetheless. That's point number one. Let, let's revisit our, our theme verse from last week. And I'm entitling this teaching today just simply a, a kingdom primer. It's a primer on the kingdom found in Matthew 6, 33. Now, I walked through this with you, uh, with this, the second part of this with you last week, sort of in depth. So I won't go as deep with it this time. But let me just give you the outline. Basically, Jesus, after he tells us to stop worrying about our basic needs, right? Did he say that? Hey, don't worry about what, you, what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear or where you're going to live. Stop worrying about that. The pagans, with all their many gods, are chasing after those things. But your one true God, your Father in heaven, he what? What, what does he say? He what? He knows. He knows what you need. So don't chase after basic needs. Chase after building needs. Chase after that which matters. And he says that, and he comes to our verse in Matthew 6 and 33, and it says this. But, and that's, a, that's actually a conjunction that shows a contrast. He's joining his thought of, look, God, my father knows what you need, and he's a good father. I love that song. Have you ever heard that song, A Good, Good Father? Man, I, I, I heard that recently. That has become my favorite song. We have, do you all realize we have a good, good father? You might have had a terrible father in your earthly experience. But I tell you what, by faith in Jesus, you can have a good, good father. And Jesus was bragging on his dad. He said, look, my father's going to take care of you. He, he knows what you need, and he delights in meeting those needs. Some of you need to let that 
wash over your thinking. And he says, but instead of chasing after the things that you need, as though you were able to provide them for yourself, instead do what? Seek first what? The kingdom of God. Here's what we're talking about. And is what? Righteousness and all the things will be added to you. You see what I think, I'm not sure, but I think what Jesus is saying is, hey, you're chasing the wrong stuff. You're chasing that, listen, you are chasing that which becomes a benefit of all those who are citizens of my Father's kingdom. You see, when you become a citizen, the things are what? Added to you. It's a, it's a given. You're gonna, this, is, this is what comes with being a citizen of the kingdom of God. But when you're not a citizen of the kingdom of God, and instead a citizen of the kingdom of darkness, there's some benefits there too, and they don't include your basic needs. So what do you got to do? You got to chase around and make sure your basic needs are met. Jesus, here, here, let me break it down this way. Here's what Jesus is saying. You're living, you're acting like a citizen of the wrong kingdom. Are y'all here today? You're acting as though you're still in the kingdom of darkness. Come on, you're in the kingdom of light. You're in the kingdom of God. Stop chasing after stuff. God's got you covered there. What you're chasing after, which was what your whole life was about before, is nothing but a side effect of being a citizen of my father's kingdom. And the reason this isn't going over well this morning is because we don't understand kingdom. So let me break it down for you, what Jesus is saying here. First of all, he says seek. And seek equals pursuit. That's in your outline this morning in that bulletin. You open that up. There's a little outline there. You can fill it out. Seek equals pursuit. Now look here. You're chasing something today. Every one of us in this room, we are, we are pursuing we are chasing, we are following hard in order to get something. And Jesus said, instead of chasing these basic needs, instead I want you to chase purpose. I want you to chase meaning. Here it is, I want you to chase significance. And I want you to stop worrying about the basics because they're a benefit. Everyone, I want you to say this. Basics are a benefit. Say that. When we, are, when we are citizens of the kingdom of God, the basics are a benefit. They are added automatically because you have a good, good father and his son is the king. Stop chasing the basics. What are you pursuing? Jesus said, hey, instead of chasing those things, instead, here's what you should do. You should seek. Yes, chase. We should chase some things. But what should we be chasing? The kingdom. So he says, seek, and then he's going to add something else. He says, seek what? First. And, and I, I think I dealt with that in depth last week, and that's nothing but priority. Seek first. Your first pursuit that comes before everything else should be, and here it is, the kingdom. Kingdom of God. What is the kingdom? It is the prevailing object. And I'm going to actually, my whole goal today is just to define the kingdom for you and, and share some characteristics, and then we're going to be done. But the kingdom, so here we are. We're to, we are to chase. God's saying, don't stop chasing, chasing, just chase the right thing. 
and chase it what? In the right order. Are you with me? Last week talked about out of order. So yes, chase indeed. Absolutely. By the way, did you know God made us to chase after him? God, God made us to pursue a relationship. God made us not for a purpose, but because of purpose. God said, hey, I'm going to create a whole race of beings that, that are designed for one purpose and one purpose only. And that is so that I might be able to relate to them and show them what a good, good father I am. You were not created just on purpose. You were created for a purpose. And that purpose was to have a relationship with God. But listen to me, you cannot do it in the kingdom of darkness. Amen. It can only happen in the kingdom of light. Yeah. And in the subsequent week, we're going to talk about what does it mean? How do we become a citizen of the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God? So here is the object. The prevailing object is the kingdom. But notice, seek first the kingdom of God. And he adds something else to that. And what? Yeah, and notice this, though. There's, there, that word is in what we call the genitive case, which means it shows possession. And whose righteousness? Yeah, not yours. You know why? <laughs> it's good. You know why he doesn't say your righteousness? Because you don't have any. Hmm? You don't, you don't have anything. You don't have nothing good. Matter of fact, I think Isaiah the prophet said that all of our... Our righteousness are as filthy rags in the eyes of God. The best that we can produce outside of God is totally unacceptable. All the quote-unquote, and I'll put it in quotes, good that we can do outside of God, is, it is so under the standard that God can't even put it in a good category. He puts it in the category of the rags that covered leprous wounds that were good for nothing but to be burned in order for safety reasons. Arlene, you're a nurse. You get that. They call it universal precaution. What do you do with those things? You burn them. They still do it today. And that, listen, catch this. The best we can produce are only good enough to be burned so that our living for self doesn't get passed on to the next generation. Do you see all this? It's, it's, the Bible is pregnant with truth. So seek, chase after something, yes, but in the first place, seek the kingdom of God. And then it says, and his righteousness, not yours, because you don't have any, his righteousness. And that is position. You see, when we have the righteousness of God deposited in, the, in our account, the righteousness of Jesus, the perfection of the Son, deposited in our account, guess what? The kingdom is ours. The kingdom's ours. And his, the righteousness of Jesus is credited to our account, and the bank is full. So what are we, should we be seeking? We should be seeking, the, chasing after first and foremost the kingdom of God, and, and how do we do that? I really think that this righteousness is a YBH. I say, yeah, but how? How do we do that? We rest. Write this down in your outline. It's not there, but write it down. The way to do all of this is by resting in the righteousness of God. Resting in the righteousness of Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ for you. You rest your way into the kingdom. Is this making sense this morning? And then I added something. It's not on the screen, but I thought about the rest of this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the rest of it says, and all these things. Say all these things. All these things that you're chasing. All, not, <laughs> this is so good. Not just what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to sleep. 
But what? All these things. You take Maslow's hierarchy of needs. God turns it on. Jesus turns it on its head. Turns a pyramid upside down. But he says all of it. Significance, meaning, purpose, and your basic needs. All of them are going to be what? They're going to be added to you. And the beautiful thing about them being added is what can be added is no longer a part. It's not a necessity. It's a benefit. I no longer live for the things because I have him. You see it? And it's all a part of being in the kingdom. So I call the all these things, I just put in there, I just call that the provision. It's the provision. And that's not on the screen, but you should write that in there. All things equals the provision of all things. Everything you need, not just the physical, but the metaphysical, that which matters deeper than your food and your clothing than where you're sleeping tonight. It's purpose. And God said, hey, you chase after me first. You chase after my kingdom first and learn to be a good citizen and all this other stuff. And you do it by resting in the finished work of Jesus and all this other stuff. It's all, at, I, I, it's all right here. I got it. I got you. It's all good. I want you. But we need to know what, what do we do? What is the kingdom? How am I supposed to enter into something I don't even know what it is? I'm, I'm a citizen of the United States. What, what does it mean to be a citizen of the kingdom of God? Kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light. Well, we need to figure out exactly what that means. I did a little research this week, and I discovered that the word kingdom shows up in the Bible. You might want to jot this down 351 times, 351. In the whole Bible, this word kingdom shows up 351 times. And then I thought, yeah, you know, that's interesting. I wonder how many times it shows up in just the Gospels. Now rehearse it with me. Uh, by the way, I was in Bible 101 this morning. Great class. We had so, I actually learned some things today. Great class. And we looked at the Gospels. And the Gospels are what? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four Gospels. I learned this morning 27 books in the New Testament. And this is only how many of them? Four. First four. Guess how many times kingdom shows up? Just in the Gospels. Now remember, 351 times in the whole Bible. But in the Gospels, 119 times. Over a third of the times, this is significant, that, that this word, this term, kingdom, shows up. Over a third of those times are in four books that happen to be the history of the God-man walking the planet. And interestingly enough, of those 119 times, the vast majority, the vast majority, this is, this is amazing to me, is Jesus himself speaking, and he has a sermon. He's got a message. And guess what the message is? Can you guess? The kingdom of God. The kingdom. It's, it's, all, it's all Jesus preached. I think I need to say that again, because this, when, this, when this revelation began to wash over me, I felt like scales were coming off my eyes. All Jesus, he had one message. He had one sermon. And it was the kingdom. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. The kingdom is like this. It's not like this. If you're going to enter the kingdom, X. Seek first the kingdom. The kingdom is nigh you even in your mouth. It's, it's right here. Matter of fact, Jesus would say uh, in Matthew 4, 17... Here's what Jesus said. From that time on, 
And by the way, this is early in Matthew. He gets baptized, right? And he starts his ministry. So, boom, Jesus is out of the gate. The Bible says, and from that time on, Jesus began to preach. Here's his message. He had one message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Get right with the kingdom. Because it is here. It's here. That's all the man preached was the kingdom. And, and, and it's interesting because he starts off with this one command, and it's what? starts with an R, church, and we don't do it very well. Repent. Why do I got to repent? Because the kingdom is run by a king who has some rules. And we've broken those rules, so the only way to get that right is to repent. To have a change of mind according to those rules. That's Jesus' message. Hey, the kingdom's here. It's with. And you know what's amazing? I'm, I read a little further this week. The book of Acts, which is nothing but the history book of after the resurrection of Jesus. Guess what? The, the apostles are preaching now. Peter, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. Repent. It's all, they're all preaching the same thing. They preach the same message Jesus preached. Now I'm going to put a parenthesis here. The church has been very busy in the last several hundred years. We have been busy, but we have been woefully ineffective. Now, I'm not a smart man, but I think part of the reason is we're preaching everything but the kingdom. We're preaching how to have a better life. But I got a news flash for you. If you're not in the kingdom, you're not going to have a better life. We're preaching how to fix your marriage. I got news for you. If you're not in the kingdom, good luck with that. Amen. Because your best ideas are what brought you in the marriage counseling seat in the first place. We're preaching about how to get your money straight. Well, you know what? If you're not in the kingdom, you're not even going to understand what that money's for. You're never going to get your finances straight. It's all about the kingdom. Jesus did not come to set up a religion. He came to establish an outpost of the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's what he came to start. So let me, let me just define for you kingdom. This is in your outline this morning. Here's what a kingdom is. A kingdom is the governing influence of a king over a territory impacting that territory with these things, with his will, his purpose, and his intent. So let me repeat that. Well, back up one. A kingdom is the governing influence of a king over a territory. Now, think kingdom of God. Okay, Christ is a king. And he is over this territory of earth. And... A kingdom is impacting that territory with three things. With the king's will, the king's what? Purpose, and the king's what? Intent. His will, his purpose, and his intent. And it's influencing the entire culture. Check this out. Here's the last part of it. Here's what it produces. Notice. Producing a culture and a moral standard for his citizens. You see it? Now, now stop, stop and think about that. What does that mean for us if the kingdom of God is a real thing and we're in it by, by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, an empty tomb and a resurrected Savior sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. The king is on his throne. 
if this definition holds true, then the kingdom of God is the governing influence of King Jesus over the territory of earth. And it is, he is Jesus himself and his rulership is impacting earth with his will, his purpose, and his intent. God's got something to do here. And he's going to do it through his kingdom. Are you with me? This kingdom is so powerful. And this is, why, this is why this message has been obscured for so long. Because the enemy knows if, <laughs> if, if God's people ever get a hold of what the kingdom is and the authority that we have within the kingdom and the power of what this kingdom can do to this culture, he knows he is done for. That the kingdom of darkness is going to be shattered by the what? The kingdom of light. Amen. The darkness does not overcome the light. It cannot. It's impossible. Have you ever seen a darkness that puts the light out? No. no all, it takes is, all it takes is a match. Uh-huh. One match lit and the darkness disappears. Amen. And I'm here to tell you the kingdom of God is way more than a match. All right, is this beginning to dawn on you what this might mean to us? Whew, this is good stuff. Let me, let me just say a couple things and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually be done today. I just, I just want to introduce you. I want to get you excited about what this kingdom might be and what our part in it might be. I'm going to share with you a number now. I'm just going to run through these, and here's what I'm going to encourage you to do through this whole series. Go home today. Go to Walmart. Buy a 97-cent composition notebook with lots of pages in it and bring it to church with you. Matter of fact, I would encourage you to go home, and uh, when this sermon gets posted online, listen to it again and write all these things out. You bring that notebook every week because the little piece of paper I'm giving you inside the bulletin is not enough. And this is something you're going to need to refer to over and over. Let me share with you some characteristics of, the king, of, of, of a kingdom in general. All kingdoms have a king. Check this out. Kings are born into kingship, not nominated or elected. Think about the kingdom of God and what this means. All kingdoms have a lord, which means an owner. The lord and the king are the same person. A king's power is absolute in a true kingdom. God's kingdom is a true kingdom. And his power, therefore, is what, church? Absolute. A king, the king, all kingdoms have territory. The king has to have a domain, something to rule. The king personally owns everything in his domain. Now, you let that one rest on you for a minute. He owns everything in his domain. Here's the next one. I love this one. The king is never voted out of power in a kingdom. You know why? You know why in our home that God's allowed Elizabeth and I to establish together and blessed us with eight children? Our home is not a democracy. My kids have no vote. None. I tell them that early on. Our home is a benevolent dictatorship, and I'm the dictator. I, have, I make no bones about it, but I'm benevolent. I'm not a good, good father. I'm just hopefully a, a good father, <laughs> right? It's a benevolent dictatorship. You know why? There's more imma- immature people in that house than there are mature people. On some days, Elizabeth is the only mature person in the whole house. <laughs> you know what? You just say amen the whole sermon, and you amen right there. 
I should close right now and open up the altar for repentance. <laughs> oh, wow. Good thing, good thing I'm not easily hurt. Uh, but, but listen, if, if, we, if we were a democracy, the immature would outnumber the mature, and, and there would be no bedtime, there would be cake and candy for every meal. Well, that does kind of sound like me, doesn't it? <laughs> it would be a disaster. So in a, in a, in a true kingdom... The king is never voted out of power. All kingdoms are a country, a nation, and they're different from each other. All kingdoms have a constitution, a covenant that the king makes with his own citizens. All kingdoms consist of a group of people who identify themselves with a sovereign or a king. All kingdoms have laws. Laws are the strict principles by which the citizens must live. And all kingdoms have citizens. Citizenship entails certain responsibilities, and it bestows specific rights and privileges related to those responsibilities. Are you connecting some dots as you're hearing these today? All kingdoms have royal privileges to which the citizens can have access through royal favor. All kingdoms have a principle of royal favor. All kingdoms have a code of ethics. This is interesting. All kingdoms have a common wealth, which is why they're often called a commonwealth. What that means is the citizens have access to the same supply of wealth. Think about what that means in the kingdom of God. Along the same lines, all kingdoms discourage private ownership. Why is that? Because everything belongs to who? The king. The king owns everything. All kingdoms have a culture. This has to do with their lifestyle, their clothing, their values, morals, food, and even the way that people respond to problems. All kingdoms have an economy. All kingdoms have a taxation system. All kingdoms have a principle of giving to the king. Listen to this. Citizens never come before their king empty-handed. All kingdoms have an army. The soldiers are not civilians or ordinary citizens. In the kingdom of God, you cannot see the army because it consists of angels, God's holy messengers. They're different from us, aren't they? The king's presence is the same as the king's authority. The king's name is the essence of his authority. Hmm. Thou shalt not take. Imagine that. Makes more sense and has a little bit more weight to it when you understand kingdom, doesn't it? That's what I'm telling you. And I'm going to finish up. This list is almost done. But here's the thing that began to dawn on me. The more I understand kingdom, it, it feels to me, it, seems, it occurs to me that a proper understanding of the kingdom of God as was his original intent and purpose all the way back in Genesis. The more I understand the kingdom of God, the more it becomes a key that unlocks and unifies the entire theme of the word of God. That now I can more freely apply to my life because now I have understanding. And that's why we're going to walk through this over the next few months. All kingdoms have delegated authority. The king embodies the government of his kingdom. And the government is not divided 
into branches or departments. It has one branch, one department, and that's the king. It begins and it ends with who, church? The king. All kingdoms have an educational system. All kingdoms have an administration, an organization. All kingdoms have a principle of glory related to the sovereign king. The citizenry represents its king's glory. I want you to think about that. You and I represent the glory of our king. How are we representing that today? Similarly, all kingdoms have a principle of worship directed toward the king, but beneficial toward the worshipers. All kingdoms have principles of reputation and provision. This is where the last half of Matthew 6.33 makes sense. This means that for the sake of his reputation, the king must meet the needs of his citizens. Let that dawn on you for a minute. Why are all these things added to us when we, when we chase after God's kingdom before anything else? Listen to me, church, because the reputation of Jesus' son is at stake in the provision of our basic needs. And he's not going to let that reputation be tarnished one bit. All kingdoms have a principle of decree. I love this. Now hear this clearly. Kings do not need to debate proposed laws, and their decrees cannot be changed. And the last one, uh, kings can choose their own citizens. Just let that dawn on you for a minute. What might that mean to us today? Here's the truth about the kingdom. You cannot see the kingdom of God. You must experience it can't see it you got to experience it and i didn't just say that jesus said that in luke 17 let me read this to you verse 20 and 21 here's what it says now when he jesus was asked by the pharisees when the kingdom of god would come see here's the problem with the pharisees the pharisees equated kingdom of god with literally a person sitting on a throne in jerusalem and overthrowing the roman government They equated the kingdom of God with a physical earthly kingdom. And I don't know for sure, but I think that's part of my problem and probably part of your problem today, right? Because we think, well, man, if I'm part of the kingdom, but I'm part of this constitutional republic, democracy thing, how can I be part of both? We're going to talk in ensuing weeks about dual citizenship. And I think it's because we don't understand this and the Pharisees didn't understand it. They were looking for the Messiah, but they said, Messiah is going to come and physically sit down and rule. Now, I believe one day he's going to do that. I really do. But it wasn't yet because the kingdom of God is not something you see with your eyes. It's something you have to experience. So the Pharisee says, okay, so when is the kingdom of God coming? Here's what Jesus said. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Jesus' words, not mine. And he goes on to say, verse 21, Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is, here it is, within you. You can't see it because it's where? In you. It's in you and it comes by the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God is not something you can see, but it is something that you experience and something that you enter into. Its power is limitless. And its goal 
is to colonize earth with heaven. And I'm just throwing that out there as a teaser for, for a future teaching. The goal of the kingdom is to colonize all, and by the way, only, only kingdoms colonize. Democracies cannot colonize. Only kingdoms colonize. And the goal of the kingdom is to colonize the area. We were a colony back in the day. I've been to Jamaica. Jamaica is a colony. The Bahamas are a colony. I'm trying to think of that little island we went to one time on a cruise, Elizabeth, uh, where the stingrays all were. What was that one called? Hmm? Cayman Islands. The Cayman Islands are a colony. That was the strangest thing in the world to me. Whenever we got off that boat in the Cayman Islands, the first person I met, we would call him an African-American, but we can't call him that because we weren't in America. <laughs> a Bahamian I met, dark skin, greeted me, and he sounded British. That was the oddest thing I've ever met, I've seen in my life because I didn't expect it. And not only that, he was wearing, it was like 3,000 degrees outside, and he had a white starch shirt and a tie on. And everybody did. And four times a day, they drank tea. Hot tea, not iced tea. I could get iced tea. Hot tea. Why do, and they drove on the wrong side of the road, and their steering wheels were on the wrong side of their cars. And, and if I didn't know any better, I could have swore I was in a hotter version of England. And in fact, I was. Why? Because England had colonized that island. What had it done? It had brought the influence of its culture into the foreign place and made it just like the motherland. That's what kingdoms do. Think about this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And here it is. Thy what? Kingdom what? Come. Think England, Bahamas. Thy will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. Let the culture of heaven take over the culture of earth. That's what the kingdom's about. And we're doing everything in the church except that. Just think about that for a minute. We're doing everything, we're preaching everything except that. And we're woefully ineffective. What do I do with this, Paul? It's in your outline. I'm going to close with this. Let me give you some takeaways of this soft introduction today. Let me invite our worship team to come. I'm going to sing a song as we close this out. Here's the first one. What am I chasing after? That's the first takeaway. Seek. What are you pursuing? Now, can, can you be honest about this for a minute? What are you pursuing in the first place of your life? What are you really after? Are you, try, are you killing yourself to get your needs met? Right? Are you out there today doing everything you can, and when it doesn't work, you turn to something to medicate the pain? You've, you've made a, a shipwreck out of your life? By the way, join the club. Look around you. We've all been there. Amen? What, what, why, do pe why do we do that? Why have we all done that? Because... We're not in the kingdom of light. And when you're in the kingdom of darkness, it's all on you. When you're in the kingdom of light, it was all put on Jesus. 
And he has been resurrected. And he says, I've got you covered. The things, <laughs> I own them all, and I gladly give them to you. So chase me. Don't chase the stuff. What are you chasing? Here's the next question. What place does a kingdom have in my life? I want you to really ask God that question. God, what, what place does your kingdom really have in my life? I mean, is it something I'm giving lip service to? Or am I influencing my culture on earth with the culture of heaven? You see, because God created citizens of his kingdom to be thermostats, not thermometers. You want to know what the difference is? This morning when I got here very early, I went over to the wall and I turned on the thermostat. And I said, you know what? It's hot in here now. But I want to influence the temperature in this room. So I'm going to turn this thermostat down to the point that I make my mother cry and complain, which she's doing right now. I'm going to make it cool. I'm going to influence the culture of this room. Now, attached to that thermostat is a thermometer. And you know what the thermometer does? It just adjusts to the culture. Here's the problem in the church. We've adjusted to the culture far too long. We weren't made for that. We were made to influence and change the culture. And you know why we haven't done any of that? Because we've been chasing everything but the kingdom of God. We can't even get to church on Sunday. God forbid a Wednesday night. We're covered up with so many things. We're chasing after them. As if God did not exist. And if he does, as if he was powerless. To provide for what we need. What place does the kingdom have in my life? Do I even understand the kingdom of God? What do I know about it? And then the most important questions. Is it possible that my priorities are backwards today? Is it possible that even though I grew up. In the Bible belt. And then I know all about Jesus. I know all about the cross in an empty tomb. But I don't really know him. Is that possible that I could hear it all my life and still be in the kingdom of darkness? And the answer is absolutely it is possible. And can I be step on toes this morning and say it's probable. You say, preacher, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You will be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you'll learn to chase things that matter. And life will have meaning because you're going to be a part of his kingdom. Would you stand with me?